0: The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 105. Jacksonville, Florida is the largest city in the continental United States by land area. Cheaters, they include the county, too. One, two, three. I'll show you Paris in the morning. I'll show you. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry. And if you've been listening to this show over the last week, you know that we set an audacious goal to crack the top 100 podcasts on iTunes. And I'm absolutely thrilled to announce that we did it. We actually made it all the way up to number 58 overall. In the world, and that's all because of the support from you guys. So we want to keep the momentum going. If you haven't already done so, it'd be awesome if you could subscribe to the podcast via iTunes so that we could keep that lofty perch in the top 100. And if you don't know how to subscribe via iTunes, you can do that by heading to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash iTunes. So thank you guys so much. We're thrilled here. My guests are thrilled here because they're actually with me as we were trying to get this done, which you'll learn about later. Another thing, we are running a podcast survey. We've already had tons of responses coming in. As I'm going through the responses, one of the things that keeps coming up is that people want to hear from actual readers and listeners, people who have taken some of the advice on the podcast or on the website and then are out traveling more while spending less. And there's absolutely no better guess that I could think to have on it is our very 1st ePop success stories here than Tiffany Noro and Chris Gibson, two people sitting right with me today in the same room with us in a suite in Chiang Mai and who went through our very first frequent flyer boot camp and who are now on a round-the-world honeymoon. That sounds awesome, guys.
1: It's kind of nuts.
0: A the world honeymoon for the next about a year or so. So Tiffany and Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. And of course, welcome.
1: It's very strange to be on this side of the microphone because I'm always just listening to the podcast.
0: Yeah. Well, two other quick notes before we get started. We're we're talking about Frequent Fire Bootcamp. We're gonna talk about Frequent Fire Bootcamp in this podcast. Tiffany and Chris went through the very first one, the very first class. So if you are interested and you wanna learn about the stuff we'll talk about here on today's show about travel hacking, you want to start travel hacking, you don't know how to do it, or you just want to improve your skills, then you can head to extrapack of peanuts dot com slash And since I know you guys are podcast listeners and you like the audio format, I'll actually be sending you a special gift for podcast listeners only so make sure you sign up at extrapackerpeanuts.com slash ff bootcamp in order to get that and if you do love the podcast you have today's guest to thank tiffany has been helping me with the past 60 some podcast yeah she has listened to a all the last 60, maybe even more than that. She's been the one who's been responsible for getting the show notes together and for really just making podcast gluttony in this five times a week thing happening. So, Tiffany, thanks for that. No problem. (laughs) Yeah, it's been great. And let's get right into it. On today's show, what we're going to talk about, guys, I want to discuss a few things. Basically, what I want to do is I want to break down exactly how you were able to really fulfill this dream of Around the World Honeymoon from What you were doing before it, how you were able to get jobs and positions that allowed you to travel and become location independent, and then, of course, what you're doing while you're traveling, how you're traveling more and spending less, and everything in between. Basically, I want to create a roadmap for people to do exactly what you're doing, because I think a lot of people are listening and thinking, around the world honeymoon, not many people get to do that.
1: Yeah, and not take a whole year to do it in. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. Maybe you could go around the world, right? But it'd be two weeks and you'd be stopping in like three places.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you guys are doing it right. You're doing around the world honeymoon. You're taking a year to do it or longer. Who knows? We don't know. So let's start with the beginning. What were you guys doing before this trip? Because you've been on the trip now for about Four four months. Oh, four months. Four months tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, It doesn't
1: feel, it feels like way longer, to be honest.
0: (laughs) All right. So four months, you've been on this round the world honeymoon. You've got at least eight months to go, or that's kind of the plan. If someone said, you know, I, I kind of want to leave my job or or I'm just getting out of school or whatever, I wish I could do a longer term trip. That's, you know, it's always money and time that are the issue. So let's talk about the time part first. What did you do to be able to get jobs that allowed you to work remotely?
1: Well, when we first decided to go on this crazy adventure, we were living in Los Angeles. I was working as a secretary at a tax firm, and you were...
2: A graphic designer at some electronics manufacturer.
1: That made microphones, much like the ones we're using today. (laughs) (laughs) But we knew that we needed to, to go more location independent to be able to do that. So I experimented with a couple things. I made jewelry. That's obviously not that location independent, but I tried. Chris started doing a lot of freelance work on the side. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I'd been freelancing since about 2009, but, you know, maybe one client a month, you know, it was very, very sporadic and spaced out. And then just, you know, once we decided that we were going to do this, we, you know, started really making a push to get more clients. And I knew that eventually I was going to transition into it full time.
1: Yeah. And we were moving back to Florida because we hated Los Angeles. So when we moved Chris decided that since our living expenses were going to be a lot less that he would try doing freelancing full time and see how
2: it went. Yeah, that made it way easier. <laughs> yeah, and
1: we he did that for about a year. Chris is still the main money maker. <laughs> but when we got to Florida, I started looking for just anything that I could do that was location independent. So uh, whenever I saw a job opening that was they didn't care where you were, I was all over it, and that's how I found the job with Travis.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's been great for for both parties here because I could not ask for someone better to come on as part of the EPOP team and help me out. And one of the goals was to help someone become location independent because a lot of people out there want to do it. And I, I even thought when I put the job up, well, who's going to want this? It doesn't pay awesome. It's, you know, yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. I didn't really even know what to expect. It's
1: pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, but it
0: was, it, but I thought, you know what, there are, there's got to be people out there like me who prioritize getting to travel and getting to be d- able to do these experiences versus you know making a lot of money and i knew they existed i just didn't know how many or if i would find <laughs> anyone who was good and and you know we had a lot of applications and and yeah i think that's an important lesson right like you you might not find the perfect job or you might not not make a ton of money but you just started looking for anything Any, that allowed anything, you to be location independent
1: anything that i thought that i could do Because I'd worked as a secretary, I used to work for the county in Georgia, like at child support services, filing papers and just doing silly things like that. So I figured VA was the way to go, but I didn't know how to get into it. And so I just started looking for anything I could do. And I I really think that's a key to like the whole idea is that you can't really be set on one thing unless you're already really good at that thing. And you know that you can make it work. Because if you're like me, I'm just kind of an eclectic do everything kind of person, whatever comes your way.
0: Yeah. And Chris, for you with the freelance stuff, was it a hard transition to go from obviously having a steady income and working for a certain job and going in and then saying, hey, you're going to do this, 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 to then saying, I'm going to have to find my own clients. A, that's pretty tough. Like, Like, did you know what type of work you wanted to do? Or did you kind of cast a wide net and say, well, I can do any of this type of work?
2: Yeah, I actually casted a pretty wide net. Most of the work that I do is either general, your run-of-the-mill everyday graphic design, or um, I do a lot of video and animation work. So, that kind of just allowed me to, like you said, cast a wide net. And I love what I do, so I didn't really care to kind of narrow it down and try to focus on one specific thing. I also had the Luxury of, like I said, I'd been um, freelancing since about two thousand nine. So I'd been slowly building up a, a client base, who then, you know, sends my name around. Word of mouth is is a very powerful tool. So I, I actually didn't find the transition all that difficult. It was scary, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. And uh, sometimes you just hope that it works out. And in my experience, it usually does. So. When you first started in two
0: thousand nine, was your ultimate goal? Hey, I want to become freelance full time, or was it just uh, I can take on some clients, make some extra money? You know, what was the idea when you first started?
2: Originally, it was just to make some extra money because I I didn't have like a full graphic designer position at any company or firm or anything yet. I just wanted to make money doing what I loved to do. So, you were
1: working as a pet sitter. I was working
2: as a pet sitter, (laughs) which has actually come in handy. Uh, I guess we could talk about that a little bit later, but, um, yeah, so I was just taking on clients. Uh, my ultimate goal was to work for like a really cool, you know, like one of those upscale design firms in like New York City or whatever. But um, I don't know. The more and more I got into office work and corporate stuff, I just realized that I wanted to be my own boss. So that that became a priority. Even I think before we started to decide we were going to travel, but it just kind of worked out in the in the idea that well, if I am working for myself, then this travel idea is possible. So.
0: And how long then for you guys, you said you were living in LA and you thought, all right, we're going to try around the world honeymoon. We're going to try an extended trip. I don't know if it was originally, was it originally the honeymoon idea or was it just we're going to take an extended trip?
1: So he proposed. And so we started talking like, well, we're not going to get married in California because all of our friends are on the East Coast. Yeah. So we knew we weren't going to get married till we moved back to Florida. And so then we started talking about what we were going to do for our honeymoon and. You know, traditional honeymoons are like one or two weeks, maybe three weeks if you're lucky. And I always just thought that was kind of (laughs) stupid. Not that like, if that's what you can get, then that's awesome, obviously. But I was pretty sure that we would have the ability to do it longer. I was following uh, Chris Gillibo at the Art of Nonconformity. I had just found it. And I was really getting into this idea that like, I could actually do what I wanted to do and not what everybody else told me I was supposed to be doing, because I was always kind of a failure at doing that. (laughs) So we were like, well, what if we went for a month? What if we went for two months? And then we were like, well, you know, whatever. Let, we'll just go for six months. And then finally I was like, let's just do a whole year. Like, go for broke and do it. So from the time that we decided that to the time we actually left was about two years of well, planning.
0: Okay. so that And that's good to know, too, because you... It's not like you just up and left. And if some people can do that, that's great. And and maybe some people have worked for a while and they have savings and, you know, it would be much easier for them to say. We didn't
1: have savings. <laughs> right, right. I mean, younger, out of
0: school, you know, trying to figure out what jobs you're going to do and things like that. If if people are older and they're listening, maybe they can just go, which is great. But I think a lot of people will be in your position where they think, all right, we want to do this. And, and you are kind of like, it's gnawing at you, right? Like, I want to go, I want to go, oh, I want to go. Time, yeah. The whole
1: time, the whole time.
0: But I I have to guess that if you're working towards it, even though you're getting anxious about it, you still know there's that light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like, you're working towards it, and it kind of almost makes it a little, I guess, a little better than when you actually can go, because you know you've put a lot of effort into it for two years.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, everything we were reading, I started, like, devouring books and how to travel on $50 a day and all the podcasts and the blog posts and everything. And I was using all of it. I was making notes and like Evernote, like, Oh, I want to go to this place and we can add this to our trip and we can go here because I, I knew we were going. So I think having like a, a trip in mind or a plan, it kind of allows you to apply the advice more like succinctly than if you're just like, Oh, maybe one day I'll listen to the advice in that podcast and actually do it.
2: It's interesting seeing it grow from like she was saying, uh, you know, one month and then well, maybe we'll do two months. And I actually had never left the United States before, <laughs> before we went on a trip. And I forgot about that. This could be a whole podcast in its own right. right? Yeah. I mean, here we are now four countries in, you know, but I'd never left. So Tiffany was like, well, let's do some traveling. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. One month. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> Two months, well, okay. Well, that's and uh, that's that's an extra long time. And then I think when it was about six months, I was feeling a little nervous about it, but it sounded really cool.
1: I'm really lucky that he loves me. And,
2: <laughs> and I remember at one, it was the not the Christmas right before we left, but the one when we really decided we were going to do it because, like, like we said, it was about two years in between the time we decided and but by the time we actually left. And I was telling my parents you know, what our plans were. And I was like, well, you know, we're going to go on a really long trip. And they were like, well, where to? And I told them kind of our plans and how long are you going to be gone for? I said, I think the plan now is about six to seven or eight months. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the actual plan is. It's funny because I remember the time that I told him, I was like, it's a year now. We're going for a year. We're doing it.
1: And the first question is, of course, well, How much is that going to (laughs) cost?
2: Yeah, well,
0: that's one of the things I want to talk about is what was the response from friends, family, people close to you? Because I know a lot of people will get pushback from this, you know, quote unquote, crazy idea of going away for a year or even six months or even, like we said, a month or two. A lot of people, that, that doesn't really Vibe with like their mind. They just think that's not possible. So, did you guys have any of that pushback from friends and family, or was it mostly supportive?
1: It was mostly supportive. Mostly. I, f- I feel like a lot of our friends thought we were a little crazy. Like, how how on earth can you do that? But it's cool. Yeah. Like, have fun.
2: It's it was a very mixed response. Not just from like, like one group of people would say that's really cool. Another group would say that's, that's, you know, crazy, but it was a, kind of a mixed response from everybody. They'd be like, wow, that's really, really, really cool. Uh, how are you going to afford that? Or, you know, how are you even going to make that happen? Like who's going to look after the animals? Who's going to look after the house? How are you gonna make money?
1: But like the overall theme was supportive. And yeah. like my mom traveled a lot when she was younger. She had this really awesome job where she could go off for months at a time and go backpacking. So she would just leave and what like What
0: job is that? She,
1: <laughs> she, <laughs> she could do hygienist? that. She was a dental hygienist and the, the man who ran the office was independently wealthy and he only worked because he wanted to. So he would go on vacation, but he didn't want to lose his whole staff. So he would pay them all while he was gone. So he would, like, for a whole month, she would get paid, but she didn't have to go to work. So she'd be like, well, I'm going to go to New Zealand.
2: (laughs) Pretty fantastic gig right there. And
1: she used to do, like, the courier flights before they stopped doing that. So she was really, really supportive. And she's like, oh, I'll watch the animals. I'll take care of the house. Like, don't worry about anything. Like, I got it. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, if, all you have to do is find a really wealthy person who works haphazardly. Exactly. Work for them, get them to pay you to take vacation. It's,
1: it's just easy, right? Yeah,
0: they only work because they're bored. So that's. <laughs> There you go. And so, you you mentioned pets, and that's one of the things I want to touch on, too, because you do have some pets, and you have a house. Just a few. Yeah, just, just a few. few, few. Why don't you go through
2: the pets that you guys have?
1: Uh, we have two border collies. And three indoor cats and one really fat outdoor cat yep. named six, Sumo.
2: Six in total. Six total. So
0: a, a decent amount of pets there, <laughs> a, a mini farm almost. Yeah. You have a house. And, you know, it's it's all those things that people say, well, how is this, you know... A, the big question usually, how are you going to make money, which you guys then figured out, okay, Chris, I'm going to freelance. Tiffany was finding different jobs that she could do. So you have your bases covered there, but then it becomes all your responsibilities at home. And for you, you have more than some other people who might just have an apartment and their lease is up and they can they can move out or what have you. How did you go about that? Because it took you two years. How did you go about planning and what did you do for people who might be in the same position?
1: We actually kind of lucked out. And I hate to say that because it's not easy to follow. Um, but my mom is like the most amazing person in the world. Uh, so like when we moved back to Florida, we took over the house from her. And it was the house that I grew up in. So we paid the mortgage while we were there. But then when we decided we were going to leave, mom was like, well, no problem. I'll just take it back over. Like, so like that took care of the house. She said she would take care of the pets, so we didn't have to worry about that either. If we hadn't had those options, I would have pawned my pets off on my friends.
2: Yeah, <laughs> have the friends watch the pets. and
1: Or maybe gotten a house sitter.
2: Yeah, either house sitters for like a whole year, which is possible. I've seen some some listings like that. Or, you know, Airbnb, if, if someone else would take care of the pets. These yeah. are all options we were thinking about, but we, I guess we were lucky we didn't have to worry about them. Yeah.
1: But I think I think that there would have been ways for us to do it.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting because I didn't even think about the fact. I think about house sitting all the time as a house sitter. Oh, I'm going to go and stay in someone's yeah. house. I didn't even think about the fact. That's because that, you don't
1: have pets. <laughs> right, That
0: that there's the other side of the coin of the person who's getting someone to come and live in their house so that they can travel or whatever it is they have to do. Yeah, that could yeah. be an option for a lot of people with pets, even without pets, if you just want someone in your house. I, I, we've seen a lot of house-sitting assignments because you guys are really up on the Trusted House sitters site as mm-hmm. well. We've seen a lot of assignments where you know it, it gets cold in a certain place and they need you to do like snow removal or just they want someone in the house so the pipes don't freeze, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. All types of stuff out there.
1: A lot of um, insurance policies also won't cover your house if you leave it for an extended period of time empty. So if someone has to be in the house for your insurance to cover it, which is really bizarre, but...
0: Yeah, even if it's like a quote-unquote stranger. Yeah,
1: someone (laughs) broke into my house, so that counts.
0: (laughs) What are other things that you needed to get done? Because I can't even wrap my mind around. I mean, I've never gone away for a year. So we're going away for five months here. You know, we're all starting. Well, you guys are four months in. Me and Heather are starting our trip here, kind of. What other things did you plan? Did you do? Did you prepare for? I mean, you had the house taken care of, you had the pets taken care of, and you have your jobs was there other stuff that came up that either surprised you in how hard it was or how easy it was?
1: Picking a date to leave was really hard for us.
2: One of the biggest ones.
1: And I I knew we're the kind of people who just like, if we didn't pick a date, we were always going to just have it in the back of our heads. Like, Oh, we're going to go. But we, we delayed our wedding because we were going to get married right before we left for the influx of cash. No (laughs) lies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no um another way to uh, get money for traveling exactly. just get married just before get married, yeah. well
1: and it's really easy that way cuz you tell people like i am leaving please don't buy me gifts i will not be around to use them
2: <laughs> if you if you want to contribute please give us money yeah. obviously not expecting anything but
1: so that was that was the plan uh so we planned that but so we couldn't get married until we decided when we were going to leave so we had to finally sit down and like Get a date, and so we decided to leave from WDS in Portland. Um, we thought that would be a good kickoff because it we got the idea for like our website last year at WDS right before. Um, so we decided to make it a theme.
0: <laughs> and so you guys left July mid July, mid-July. you went yeah. to Portland and then you left right from there. How did you start to sketch out your itinerary? Because I know some of it's pretty fluid mm-hmm. and some of it was you know, is somewhat set in stone. So how did that come about?
1: I made Chris sit down and give me a list of 10 countries he wanted to go to.
2: Yeah. And
0: for someone who's never been out of the country, well, for anyone, I mean, there's a hundred and what, 97
2: countries? Yeah, yeah. So, so many. I mean, I had so many ideas of like things that I I'd, I'd heard were cool and wanted to see. And then as I did more research, I thought, well, you know, maybe that's not for us right now. But coming up with a list was tough. And then we kind of compared what we had together. Tiffany made me do like a... Like, top three must-visit places. And what what were those? I don't even remember now.
1: Our plans have changed so much since then.
2: Japan's always been on my list, but I I knew that we weren't going to go there for this trip because it's a little more expensive. And that we probably wanted to dedicate more time to that anyway. So we'll make it there eventually. I know that was on my list. I can't remember what else.
1: I think my top three were New Zealand, Thailand, and Scotland.
2: New Zealand was on mine. That's true. And we did that already, which was awesome.
1: Yeah, New Zealand was cool. (laughs) The internet sucks, but it was cool. (laughs) So
0: so you guys sat down and you thought, all right, the world, we can go anywhere. But obviously you were making sure, I mean, some of the stipulations were, well, it has to be somewhat cheap or at least relatively cheap. Other, I mean, New Zealand, not relatively Yeah, we,
1: we tried to balance, balance it between expensive countries and cheaper countries. So the original plan was to spend six months in like Europe, New Zealand, expensive places, and to spend about six months in Southeast Asia. It didn't end up <laughs> happening. There was a belly dance conference in Prague that I found out about that I had to go to. So I bought tickets and that kind of cut short our time in Southeast Asia. Um, and then one of the other people that I work for, she's running a tour to Egypt. So now we're going along with that which I think that's probably actually what got the most pushback from friends and family. was like, you're going to Egypt? Like, oh, I don't know about that, but everybody's okay with it. They're just, I think we're going to have to email people every day.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) It is kind of this organic, all right, we have a set plan. Well, at least, I mean, the first country you guys went to, why don't we go through your itinerary a little bit so people listening can get an idea, and then we'll talk about which ones were planned beforehand Mm -hmm. and how they've changed. Because I'm always interested in that, too, because... Here we are, sitting in this room right now, recording, and just last night, you guys book your tickets down to Indonesia, and you're leaving tomorrow. Tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow, (laughs) And that's exactly how me and Heather usually do it, because (laughs) we're maybe leaving Chiang Mai on Wednesday, depending on when this podcast comes out. We may be in Chiang Mai. We may have left.
1: Our friends Rob and Dave, who are here as well, that's that's also how they do it. They told us the day before they got here, they're like, hey, we're going to be in Chiang Mai tomorrow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) There needs to be some of that. Because you don't exactly know what you're going to love. And I think sometimes it stresses me out more than it needs to. Like if we just have a plan, I feel a little more comfortable. I haven't been able to talk myself into that enough to actually make a plan. <laughs> but sometimes it's nice not to have the plan because now we're in Chiang Mai and we're like, you know what, we, we're really starting to like it here, get our feet under us. Maybe we'll stay an extra week.
2: Yeah,
1: I feel like um honestly that's one of the biggest lessons I took away from the podcast before, I mean even after I started working for you but before was that flexibility is key to yeah. travel and I am not that person.
2: No.
1: I am the planner, I'm the budgeter. I just can't take not having a plan, but I've I knew that travel doesn't work very well if you have a plan cuz it always goes wrong and it has gone wrong. Yeah. I knew I needed to become more flexible so I was working on that when we were still at home and I found that it helped a lot.
0: Well, it <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's
2: work because you booked a ticket last night <laughs> yeah. to leave tomorrow. Now, yeah, I don't com- even
1: care anymore.
2: <laughs> by comparison, we had our original tickets, the ones out of the country. We had those probably eight to nine months before we left.
1: Yeah, I booked those really far in advance. But again, because if we didn't book it, we weren't yeah. going to leave. That's, I
2: mean, that's right. one of the, the reasons. The first step,
0: right? Yeah. Like the first, okay, once we get out of the country and get this trip going, we could figure it out as we go. But actually saying, we're going to leave Florida and go to blank, wherever. And, and for you guys, it was, well, you went to Portland we and went, then you moved on from there.
1: Yeah, we went to Portland. Uh, we took the train to Seattle for a couple of days because we go to Seattle every year for a convention, but we were going to miss it this year. So we decided to still visit the city. To stop by. Uh, then we went to L.A. to visit uh, on a stopover, free stopover, to visit our friends that couldn't make it to the wedding. And then we went to Fiji.
2: Yep, Fiji just, was our first official out of the country stop. Yeah. And then from there we went to New Zealand. Speaking of the flexibility aspect, uh, we went to Cambodia, which was not on our original itinerary. We actually saw a house sit opportunity while we were in Portland, and we jumped on it. And then after Cambodia was uh, here in Thailand. So that's where we've been so far.
0: And you guys have done roughly one month in each, right? Um, or- we
1: did three weeks in Fiji, three, three and a half weeks maybe in New Zealand, and then a month in Cambodia and a month here. Now it's getting a little hairy. We're doing like two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, mm-hmm. yeah. places.
2: Yep. Not until we... I think not until we get to Egypt will we be somewhere for more than like two or three weeks at But even,
1: even in Egypt, we're bouncing around between cities. We're not just... Like it, in Cambodia, we stayed in Siem Reap for a month. Here, we stayed in Chiang Mai for a month. So it's going to be a little different.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that I've always heard from people who are location-independent but have never been able to pull off myself, one of the hardest is that the slower you travel, obviously the easier it is to kind of get in a groove and to start getting Mm -hmm. work done, right? And that's one of the things I want to touch on with you guys is you've had to be doing a lot of work while you travel. So everyone looks at this like, oh, around the world, honeymoon for
2: a year. That's what
0: everybody thinks. We work our butts off. We are
2: working... You know, I mean, it's like regular office hours when we can. For me, anyways, I like to work in, in one chunk intervals, like full eight hour chunks. But I can't do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Before we got here to save you guys in Chiang Mai, I remember we got you had been here, what, 20 some days. And you yeah, like, man, in the last five days, we've done more than we did the first 20. Because- These guys
1: travel like maniacs, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we do stuff pretty quickly. This is actually pretty slow for us. That's um, crazy. <laughs> But I want to touch on the location-independent idea because, you know, as obviously you've heard, Tiffany, because you've listened to all the podcasts, and as some of you who are listening to this podcast have heard, me and Jason did a podcast about location-independence and, you know, the truth behind it. And it is great, and I would tell everyone to go for it, and I think we will ask you guys if you would too, but it is a struggle at times. So let's talk about that. How have you been able to balance it? What have been some of the obstacles? What have been some of the the things that you found that have helped you?
1: I have a to-do list program that I use religiously, yes. and it saves my life. Every time I find myself wasting my time, I just open it, and I'm like, oh, I have all these things to do, and I, I do them. Because otherwise, I will sit around and read a book or, like, try and convince Chris to go out and see some more Watts or go back to the temples at Anchor Wat and, like... Go out and do things.
2: For me, the, I guess, obstacles have been time difference from, you know, most of my clients are stateside based. I have a couple clients in Australia and stuff. So that actually worked out when we were in New Zealand. They're like, oh, you're just, you know, a couple hours. Time difference has been a big deal. Not a lot of my projects are like super time sensitive, but I have some really, really great clients who I like to get stuff done for them fast. And if they're like, oh, no, we need this done, you know, like, There's an error in this and we need it fixed really fast. That might come at like 3 a.m. for me. So I I try to wake up early and check my messages and, you know, just make sure that I get stuff done fast. That's not always easy with the time difference. And then another obstacle has been the internet. Internet access. It wasn't really until we got to Thailand that we had good, fast, reliable Internet
1: well,
2: Cambodia wasn't too bad. It was, it was good. It just was slower and we had to top it up all the time because it was on a SIM card. But, um,
1: you're not used to data caps in the, in the States uh, until Comcast finishes rolling out their thing. But, you know, then you travel abroad and you're like, Oh, wait, people pay per megabyte yeah, for the internet. Like, yeah. what is this nonsense?
2: And it's funny because just, I guess the way that we work with, you know, downloading, downloading podcasts for Tiffany to work on and me sending videos to my clients and, we use a lot in Cambodia. We had a, our SIM card allowed us for ten gigabytes, and we topped it up probably four or five times. Yeah, we bought a lot of internet in the one month we were there. So the internet has been a, an obstacle, and I think the last obstacle really is just finding a good place to work. You know, if you're traveling slowly, that's a lot easier. If you're in a if you're in a room where you don't necessarily have like a desk to work at, there's always cafes and stuff. But, you know, when we were in Fiji and when we were in New Zealand, it was.
1: We were in a camper van in, in, New, camper Zealand. Van in
2: New Zealand. So sometimes we had to pull over on the side of the road and. Next uh, to
1: like a free Wi-Fi hotspot. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have our T-Mobile plans allow us. We have some unlimited roaming data and we actually found out that it's good enough and fast enough to do Skype video calls on our phones. So there was a couple of times while we were driving through New Zealand that we had like literally just pulled over on the side of the road and took a Skype call. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember Skyping with you guys at one <laughs> point. Were you pulled over or I was. I was
1: on the side of the road. Oh, I, I
0: thought
2: you were driving. No. I was like, wow, oh, this is really crazy. Yeah, well, uh, we found that um, because New Zealand is, um, at least where we were driving at the time, there was a lot of mountains and stuff, um, this, the reception would cut in and out. So we might We were
1: going through the mountain pass that day. Yeah. So we waited... Outside the mountain pass for you to call us, so that we could do the Skype call and then we could go through and lose signal as much as we needed to. <laughs> yeah,
2: we might have been able to pull it off, but you know, losing reception on the phone meant dropping the Skype call and having to do that dance back and forth, where you're like, "Oh, well, I'll try calling back." And
1: I think planning is just the the key to fixing everything. You just have to plan. Like if yeah, you have it to seems meet like you people, just
0: have to kind of be more. You don't have everything. (laughs) Yeah. Flexible. flexible. You don't have everything at your disposal at all times. I know we've talked a lot about this just in the last five or six days that we've all been here together in Chiang Mai is, you know, I'm used to two monitors. Chris, obviously for your graphic stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, two, three monitors, your your whole system is set up. Yeah. It's perfect for getting stuff done quickly and efficiently.
2: I miss my desk at home. I and my desktop computer. I miss everything about my office at home. You know, I can get work done without it. Uh, and I was I was originally silently worried about that. I would never tell Tiffany, like, well, maybe it won't work out because I don't have all these comforts of, you know, getting work done. You know, so there are luxuries you give up. But then when you think about what you're getting.
1: It's totally worth in
2: exchange, it. You know, people, I'll tell my clients.
1: Who all think we're working on our honeymoon. They so think, they're really impressed.
2: Yeah, they think we're on this. I mean, I think a big distinction is we're not vacationing. We're traveling, you know, and then you know all about that. You know, you think about it, you tell your clients, like, oh, well, I'm in I'm in Chiang Mai right now, so the time's going to be a little bit different. And you're not saying it to brag, you're just letting them know the time difference is there. And, they're, and then they go off, they're like, oh, wow, Chiang Mai, how are you working while you're on vacation? That's so cool. <laughs> you know, thanks for doing that. Or, so it's, you know, the trade-off is... You give up some luxuries, but the trade off is totally worth it. And yeah.
1: you get to eat real Thai food.
0: Yeah, Thai and food. as we sit here overlooking this awesome little pool and this little boutique, they call it a resort. It's Yeah, whatever. It's not a resort, <laughs> no. guys. It's it's a fairly bare bones hotel. Yeah. But in a nice cutesy. Mm-hmm. Cool tie way, but last night we went to the most amazing lantern festival. Oh,
1: one of the coolest things we've ever seen. Yeah, and I
0: think I think you just have to. You know, there are times where I sit there and I get frustrated. We Heather and I were just in Italy, and you know, I would try to upload podcasts and get them edited, and it would say. Time remaining, four days to, like, <laughs> upload 500 megabytes. But then you go out and you drive around and you drink some wine. Wine always helps, yeah, you know, sure helps it does. relax. You have to be not as stressed out about stuff, yeah. which is hard to do for a lot of us, especially a lot of Americans, because mm-hmm. we're yeah. so used to getting stuff done. And people are so used of us to get stuff done on time yeah. that you kind of have to chill out a little bit and just be like, this is, I'm experiencing something and I'm, and I'm working as well. Yeah. Mm. which is hard.
2: Yeah, there are times where you have to, you know, if you're in a situation like mine where you have regular clients or new clients, there are going to be times where you have to tell them, like, either I I am sorry, I cannot do that right now. If you can wait, we can make it happen or whatever. Or those times you just have to tell them, like, I'll get this to you as soon as possible. The Internet's not letting me do it.
1: There's been plenty of, like, 3 a.m. mornings for Chris trying to upload files. To
2: yeah, people. and, you know, it... um it's easy to get stressed out about it. It, it. You do get stressed out about it, you get frustrated sometimes, but it always works out. And I guess the way I look at it is if you have a client that's being a big pain and they they don't understand, then they're not worth you know, they're not worth having as a client, I guess. But I luckily I haven't had to haven't had to resort to that. But it, it you know, there's frustrating things, but it, they always work out and I think people are more understanding than I like to give them credit for. I like to be super on top of things when I feel like I'm not to them it's like there's no difference like oh well you know you got it to me when i needed it so thanks you know
0: so you're harder on yourself a lot of times than than others are than clients are oh yeah yeah and i would say the same i think that's that's kind of par for the course for a lot of people i mean i f- i feel like i'm harder on myself than any of the listeners or readers would be you know mm-hmm. they're happy they were putting out podcasts and getting posts done and stuff but i'm always like, has to be done by this time and this yep. day. And, and really i mean it is good to hold yourself to a yeah, certain standard course. you don't want to let it drag because if you do that's a slippery slope mm-hmm. but yeah sometimes i have to take a step back and say
1: you're in thailand
0: yeah wait a second Trav. it's okay <laughs> it's okay it's okay <laughs> So to wrap up the location independent stuff, I mean, you guys have already talked about uh, finding jobs. I think you gave some great advice with the freelancing. If you're already doing something, try to transition into freelancing or at least look into that. And Tiff, for you, just kind of figuring out where it fit in. I mean, there's always going to be tasks that people need done. It might not be exactly what you want to do. It might not be the best job in the world, but really, if it allows you to have a life outside of the job that you really like,
1: Yeah. And it's worth it. If you follow a lot of people who do this kind of thing, who are location independent, who run their blogs, they're always looking for people. Mm -hmm. Lately, I have seen so many jobs pop up that are, they don't care where you are. They don't care when you work. They just need help, you know, and they probably don't pay a lot, but they pay something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to get started.
0: Yeah, they're doing the same thing, just maybe a little further ahead that you'll want to be doing. And and so it's like, not only are you working for them, but you can get mentorship and all types of stuff. So overall, location independence. Yay or nay? Yay. Yay. All right. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> two more converts. No question about it. No question. There you have it. Four big thumbs up from Tiffany and Chris for location independence. And this ends part one of my interview with them. If you are interested in learning more about their round-the-world honeymoon, especially all the travel tips and tricks that they've learned in their four months, as well as the way that they are able to afford this round-the-world honeymoon, they share all that great stuff in part two of the interview, which will be coming out tomorrow if you're listening to this live. Or of course, if you're listening to this in the future, then you can roll right into part two. They also have two incredibly funny missing tap stories that have already happened to them only four months in the journey that you're not going to want to miss. So tune into part two of my interview with them. You can also check out their website at littlebighoneymoon.com. Don't forget, and we touched on it briefly during part one of the interview, that Frequent Flyer Bootcamp has just opened once again, the very last session that we will be running for 2014. So registration is open now. And for podcast listeners, I have an extra special gift because I know you like the audio format. I will be recording an extra special gift for you. So in order to get that and to make sure you are one of the 30 people that are signed up for Frequent Fire Bootcamp, head to Extra Pack of Peanut dot com slash FF Bootcamp. You can join from there. Again, we're capping it at 30. So if you want to get in, if you want to learn some travel hacking tips and tricks, and you really want to start flying around the world for almost free, make sure you go to www.extrapackofpeanuts.com of peanuts dot com slash FF Bootcamp. Thank you all for the support. Don't forget to tune in to part two where they share all their incredible information about how they can afford this round the world trip. And until tomorrow, happy free travels.